Well, on Sunday mornings, we have been going through the book of First Peter, but this morning, in a way of honoring our mothers this morning, we're going to take a break from our regular uh, series through the book of First Peter, and we're going to turn this morning, if you have a Bible with you, to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 and verses 36 through 38. If you're visiting with us this morning, we use as a church the English Standard Version or the ESV, and there are some of Bibles in the chairs in front of you if you would like to look at that version, but I think you can follow along with whatever English version you may have with you this, this morning. So Luke chapter 2, verses 36 through 38 is the text that we want to dwell on. And Luke writes this, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer, night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Well, our first point this morning is Mary and Joseph meet Anna. In Luke chapter 2, Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple to present him to the Lord. That's the thrust of the last part of Luke chapter 2, Mary and Joseph coming to the temple, excuse me, coming to the temple to present their infant son, Jesus. Now they are met by a man named Simeon, and he is described as righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. What a description in and of itself. That there was a man, there was a man named Simeon. And the Holy Spirit, as he inspires Luke, says this man was righteous and he was devout and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it says that he came in the spirit into the temple and took Jesus in his arms and pronounced a blessing upon him. And Simeon described Jesus as God's salvation. And what a beautiful picture he was holding the infant Jesus in his arms. And he says to the father as he prays, my eyes have seen your salvation. And what a reminder to us this morning. Do you want to know what salvation is? It is Jesus himself. He is our salvation. And here was this man, this older man, and he's holding this baby in his arms, and he says, my eyes, my eyes have seen your salvation, O Lord. And it says that Mary and Joseph marveled at what was said about their son, well, that's the background that brings us to our passage this morning. After these events, Luke introduces us to a woman named Anna. 
She is identified as a prophetess, a daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. Now, she is a prophetess. That in and of itself is a unique description. A woman being described as a prophetess is rare in the Bible. It only happens about five or six times. In Acts chapter 21, it says of the evangelist Philip that he had four unmarried daughters and they prophesied, but we rarely see that term used. She was a daughter of Phanuel, and she was from the tribe of Asher, which reminds us at this particular time that the children of Israel were still very concerned about which of the 12 tribes their family heritage was linked to. But there is something more important here for us this morning. The reason it says that she is a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, and from the tribe of Asher, is because Luke, besides being a physician, was an excellent historian. And Luke wants his readers to know, and Luke wants you to know this morning, that Anna is a real person. He is talking about a specific woman in a specific time of history. She wasn't a fairy tale. This isn't a fable. This isn't a good moral story to teach us a good moral lesson. No, this is an actual woman. This is a woman in space and time history, and he says, I want you to know that there is a specific Anna that I am talking about. It is Anna the prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. And in the second sentence of verse 2, it's, or, excuse, or verse 36, excuse me, in the second part of verse 36, it says, she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then in verse 37, it says, and then as a widow until she was 84. In the New International Version, it has it this way. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. So here is this woman who was married for seven years and then was a widow. Her husband passes away and she is a widow until the time we meet her when she is 84. Now, I have shared this with you before, especially in the context of Mary, the mother of Jesus. In this particular era and culture, girls married very young. Not all of them, but most of them did. They married commonly between the ages of 14 and 16 years of age. So, we don't know how old Anna was when she got married, but if she was in the category of the majority of girls, the Hebrew girls of this time, and she was married seven years and then was a widow until she was 84. She was a widow for a long time. She was a widow for a very long time. Well, that is Anna. This is the woman that we are introduced to in this passage. Our second point is really the heart and soul of this message, and that is a singular devotion. A singular devotion. This woman, 
spent the vast majority of her life in singular devotion to God. In verse 37, it says that she did not depart from the temple. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that she lived at the temple. It would have been unusual. It could have happened, but it would have been very unusual for a woman to have lived in the temple quarters at this time. That was usually reserved for the priests and the Levites, the males, and would be very unusual for a woman. So it is most likely that this means she did not depart from the temple. Excuse me, it means that she was there every day. She engaged in the public worship and she engaged in private worship. She would go to the temple of the Lord and she would delight herself in the Lord. She would delight in him. So every day, to the point where Luke says she did not depart from the temple, she was there. And she worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. Now this does not mean that every minute of every day she was fasting and praying. But it does mean, it does mean, every day, a significant part of her day, every day, day and night, was spent in fasting and prayer. And again, it appears that she did this for a long, long time. Folks, this is a fascinating description. It is a fascinating look into this one woman's life. And I want you to know this morning that there are dozens of other things she could have done with her life, just like there are dozens of other things we could do with our lives. But this woman, of her own volition, chooses in a very significant and special way to give herself to fasting and to praying. And her life of fasting and prayer was a life of service to God. Usually when we think of service to God, we think of preaching, or we think of teaching, or we think of reaching out to the poor, or to the hungry, or to the imprisoned. And, and don't misunderstand me, all of those things are wonderful ways, and we could name others as well. They are wonderful ways of serving the Lord and of dedicating ourselves to the Lord. But she chose fasting and prayer, a life, a life of prayer. I mean, you just have to let it sink deep within your mind and within your soul. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And I want all of us to know, but especially our moms, that this singular devotion of fasting and prayer can be one of the most important ministries that any person can ever have. I think there is untapped, untapped power in fasting and prayer. Untapped power that most of us have never realized at least to its full potential. And I just want all of us to know, but especially our moms, this 
This is one of the most important ministries that you can ever have for your own life, for the life of your husband, and in a very special way in the lives of your children. Just like Simeon, Anna was at the temple when Mary and Joseph arrived with Jesus. In verse 38, it says, and coming up at that very hour. I love those kinds of phrases in the Bible. And she came up at that very hour. This was no chance. This was no accident. This was no coincidence. She was there every day. And because of her dedication and her commitment, God arranges, sovereignly arranges for her to be there at the very hour, at the very hour that Mary and Joseph present Jesus at the temple. And it says she began to give thanks to God. Her heart must have been filled with praise and praise and praise and thanksgiving to God that she had been given this honor, that she had been given this privilege to be there at the very moment that Mary and Joseph are there with this very special, this very important child. And like Simeon, she too recognized this baby as the Messiah. And it says, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. The phrase, to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem, is just like the phrase ascribed to Simeon when it says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Both phrases, both phrases mean exactly the same thing. These were the people who were looking for the Messiah. Now Anna did not go out and preach to multitudes. She did not go out and minister to great crowds. But she was part of a group of people. A group of people called God's remnant who still believed, who still waited, who still hoped for the coming of the Messiah. And so she began to speak to them she began to speak to them, to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And I think this is so important. In the New Testament, especially in the Gospels, we see this negative reaction towards Jesus. We see the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law and their vehement and sometimes even violent opposition to him. We read in John chapter 6 after Jesus presents himself as the bread of life and as eternal life. It says that many who are following him turned away and followed him no longer. Many who had been part of the crowd that had followed him at this point turns away and followed him no longer. And we know that just before his crucifixion there were many in the crowd who cried out, crucify, crucify him. And it is so good to know 
And we need to know that in the midst of all of this negativity, in the midst of all of this opposition, there was a group of people who were waiting for him to come. And they had been waiting. Simeon was a very old man. Anna was a very old woman. And they were waiting for Messiah to come. They were waiting for the anointed one, for the Savior of the world. And can you imagine? They see this baby at the temple with Mary and Joseph and they know it's him. He has come. There is this group of people who still hoped, who still believed, who still looked for him. And folks, I say to all of us, every single person here this morning, let's be that remnant in our generation. Let's be that group of people because we are waiting for Messiah to come a second time. We are waiting for our Messiah to come again. We are waiting for the return of the Lord. We have seen this in the book of 1 Peter that we've been going through. The great emphasis in the New Testament on the return of the Lord. The anticipation of the return of the Lord. Living our entire lives in light of expectantly waiting for his coming and let it be said of us that when he returns, we were waiting, we were hoping, and we were believing. And this is the group of people that Anna is a part of. But I want to bring this back in a special way to our moms this morning. A life of singular devotion to God. A life of prayer and fasting is available to every mother regardless of background. I so want every mom here this morning to know there are no special qualifications except to know Jesus Christ as Savior. There are no special qualifications for fasting and prayer. You can do it. God, the God of the universe, makes it available to you to come to him and to intercede on behalf of others, especially on behalf of your children. He has given you a powerful, powerful avenue of intercession. Last Father's Day, back in Father's Day of, or on Father's Day of 2015, I touched on something similar with the men. And we looked at 2 Kings 23-25 about King Josiah. And we looked at this verse. Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with all the law of Moses. There was a man, there was a king named Josiah. And he turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with the whole law of Moses. And I said to our men at that time, any man can do that. Any man can do that. There is not a person here who, if they choose to, couldn't 
Turn to the Lord like Josiah did. It is available to all of us. It is available to all of us. You could choose in your heart this morning that you are going to turn to the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him. Wow. There wasn't a king like him before him or after him. And you know what? It wasn't because he had some kind of special privilege. It wasn't because he was a king. In fact, after King Solomon, after King Solomon, the kingdom of Israel divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And you need to know that the vast majority of kings in the north and in the south were all wicked kings. In fact, all the kings. After Solomon, all the kings of the northern kingdom of Israel were wicked. They did not have a single righteous king. And in the southern kingdom of Judah, most of the kings were wicked. There were a few good kings, a few righteous kings. And among those, Josiah stands out. You know why Josiah stands out? Because he had more knowledge than other people? No. Because he was more gifted than other people? No. Tells us right in the text. Here's why. He turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with all the law of Moses. And I said to our men, you can be like Josiah. There is not a man, there is not a father who can't be like that. You can all be like that if you choose to. And so to our mothers, to our mothers I say this morning, you can be like Anna in your generation. You can. I say that to every single one of you. I say that to encourage you. I say that hopefully to bring you strength. You can be just like Anna in your generation. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter what personality type you have. You may say, but I'm shy. I'm quiet. I don't speak well in groups. I don't like, I'm, or I don't like to speak in public. I'm terrified to speak in public. It doesn't matter. You're still fully qualified to fast and pray. You are. It doesn't matter what your family background is. Maybe you're the first Christian in your entire family. Maybe you don't have a history of the Christian faith in your family. Maybe you didn't have or don't have the privilege of having a godly heritage. You're still fully qualified. It doesn't matter how much education you've had. Maybe there are some moms here this morning and you never finished high school. Maybe you never had the privilege of going to college. I want you to know it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have special needs or if you have a learning disability. You are still fully, fully qualified to fast and to pray. And ladies... It doesn't matter what past sins you've had to overcome. Maybe there are some sins in your past that you are ashamed of. 
and you've begged God and asked God to forgive you, and he has forgiven you, and he has wiped the slate clean. Maybe you struggle with the guilt of those sins, even though you know you are forgiven. But I want you to know, you are still fully qualified to fast and pray. There is nothing in your past. Excuse me, ladies, there is nothing in your past that disqualifies you from fasting and praying. Anyone, anyone, any mother anywhere can devote herself to fasting and to prayer. I shared this with you a few weeks ago in a different context, but I think it fits here as well. Sometimes we see and participate with people who pray in public. Pastor Ron prayed this morning. One of our deacons, Dave Carpenter, prayed this morning. I'm all for public praying. Sometimes we pray in groups together. But I know, having talked with many people over the years, there are some people who are very intimidated about praying out loud with anyone else around. And I understand that. And I want you to know I want you to know that Jesus' primary teaching on prayer is private prayer. In Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, and when you pray, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites who love to stand praying in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, Jesus says, but when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Moms, anyone can do that. Any mom can go into her room and close the door and pray to her Father, her Heavenly Father, who is unseen. And know that her Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. I love the Christian faith. I love it because of our wonderful, glorious, amazing, stupendous Savior. But I love it for another reason. It's available to everybody. Don't you love that? In a world where we are constantly surrounded by and bombarded by the beautiful, the famous, the powerful, and the rich, I'm so glad that I have a faith that is available to everyone anywhere on the face of the earth. I'm glad for a faith like that. And I want you to know, I want you to know this morning that it is possible that we could have a mother connect with our church through our Beacon of Hope Family Care Ministry. And she comes to Beacon of Hope 
And maybe she's already a Christian or maybe she comes to know Christ there. She has a rough background. She didn't have much growing up, maybe doesn't have much now. Maybe she didn't have many of the privileges that some of us here have. But she decides that she's going to give her life to fasting and prayer. I want you to know she could put us all to shame. She could potentially put us all to shame. Sometimes we grow up and we think we've got all this Bible knowledge and we think we're living such a good Christian life that we very subtly become self-reliant and self-dependent. Oh, God is so pleased when a person comes to him in absolute dependency, in absolute brokenness, and comes before him with fasting and prayer. I want us to know this morning that it is possible for a mother in the Yembi-Yembi tribe or the BM tribe, Papua New Guinea, or from the Kora people of Indonesia, it is possible for a mother there in these remote tribal places that she comes to Christ and gives herself to fasting and prayer that that mom could put us all to shame. Isn't that great? That in these remote villages with none of the privileges or educational opportunities that many of us have had, that she could potentially become a powerful woman of God and even put the rest of us to shame? I am so thankful for that. And I'm so thankful that that is available to every single person here this morning. Every single mother who has trusted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior can be a mom who pleases and honors God and who makes a difference for his kingdom. Mom, you mothers here this morning, every single one of you, every single one of you who know Christ as Savior, you can potentially be a mother who pleases and honors God and who makes a significant difference for his kingdom. But it's a choice of the heart. As I said before, there were dozens of other things Anna could have done with her life. But she chose, in a special way, to give herself to the disciplines, what we call the Christian disciplines of fasting and prayer. It is a decision to be different. I bet every mother here, at one time or another, or in one way or another, has said to her children, sometimes you have to dare to be different. In your peer group, there are going to be those who do things you know are wrong. There are going to 
be those who do things that are disobedient to God. And they may even be other Christians. But in those times, you must dare to be different. You must dare to be different for God. Mothers, I want you to know something this morning. Anna, the prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel from the tribe of Asher. Anna dared to be different for God. And no one can make this decision for you. It is a decision you must make. Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We have different mothers this morning, different ages, different schedules, different stresses and pressures. I fully understand that. I'm not in any way saying that you have to stop doing everything you're doing in every minute of every day, fast and pray. But what I am saying is this. You can devote a significant part of your life to this and make a difference unlike you ever thought you could make. And as I said, it's, only, it's a decision that only you can make. You may say, well, I don't have a godly husband or my husband isn't the spiritual leader that he should be. No, 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 no. I don't care how much your husband may be struggling spiritually you can still be a mother who commits herself to fasting and prayer. There is nothing your husband is doing right now that disqualifies you or keeps you from being this kind of mother. Moms, I want you to leave today not feeling guilty that you're not doing this. This is not the point of this message. I want this to be an encouragement to you Whatever extra time that you can devote to fasting and prayer, that you determine in your heart to do that. And moms, I want you to know something this morning. There is more power available to you than you have ever imagined. Let me say that again. Moms, there is more power available to you from the God of heaven than you ever imagined. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every mother here. I thank you for their devotion. I thank you for their sacrifices day in and day out. I thank you for their loyalty to their Savior, for their loyalty to his church. Encourage them, strengthen them this morning. Challenge them with the power that is available from you in fasting and prayer. In fasting and praying for many things, but especially, but especially for their children. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you all please stand?